Um, I remember, you know, some particular low points in, in sort of 13, 14 years old. Um, and uh, I'd really had enough. Um, and I tried to take my own life. Um, I ended up getting my stomach pumped. And on the second time, it was a bit of a miracle I survived. I, I um, stepped off the, the um, stair banisters with a noose around my neck. Um, and at the moment that I was, or shortly after that moment, my parents actually arrived back into the house. Um, and they they were like so desperate to try and get me to see what they saw. And they, they were like, you are gifted. Um, you have something, you have something so unique and so amazing about your energy and, and this, and that, that's what they kind of me. But the rest of the world didn't see that. Welcome back to another episode of the Inspired Narrative podcast, a space for highlighting inspiring stories. And joining today's episode is Rory Fairburns. Rory has utilised a time of challenge and adversity to create a really strong platform that is helping people across the world to revisit their drinking habits and to improve their lifestyles. If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and to check out our website, theinspirednarrative.co.uk. As always, any feedback is completely welcomed. Please find contact details in the description box below. And I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Ruri is one incredible human being that I had the pleasure of talking to. So welcome to the Inspired Narrative podcast, Ruri. Um, Would you mind just introducing yourself to the listeners um, and telling us a bit about what you do. Yes. Uh, well, hello, everybody. Um, it is great to be on your podcast. Thank you, Gwen. And um, yeah, so my name is Rory Fairbairns, and I am the CEO and co-founder of One Year No Beer, which is a movement, if you like, um, to help uh, people change their relationship with alcohol, which is now um, over 90,000 members in 138 countries. Um, So we are, uh, yeah, we're we're having a great positive impact in the world. That's what I do today. How did One Year No Beer come about? This is, I'll I'll give you a bit of background story. So, I was originally from the Isle of Mull, west coast of Scotland, um, synonymous with drinking culture, you know, like many um, parts of the world, um, most, certainly in the UK. And um, I, so I kind of, you know, grew up like everybody did, you know, watching friends, aunties, uncles, parents celebrate, commiserate, congratulate with alcohol. That was just um, what people did. Um, I first started, I think I first started partying Drink, drink, first drinking was 13, um, horribly sick. Do you remember your first drinking, Gwen? Um, my first proper drinking, yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it messy? A lot of crying. A lot of crying. Did yeah. you lose anything? Lose a handbag or? No, just a bit of, uh, bit of ego. <laughs> yes. Pride. Self-pride went out the window from the get-go. Yeah. Well, I actually, um, I had it coming out both ends all over my parents' house. Um, uh, So, yeah, uh, for a day or two afterwards. Anyway, moving on. Um, (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, it was not a good experience, but that didn't deter me. Did it deter you? Did that put you off alcohol for no. life? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, so partied like the best of us in my 20s, actually did a little stint out in Ibiza. And um, from a young age, I was always entrepreneurial. So I left school at 15, to set up my first business. Um, and I'd tried sort of setting up multiple businesses. In fact, by the time I was 25, I'd tried five different businesses. You know, I was sort of trying to have this big impact in the world. But all the way through, I was, you know, a party boy. I was the um, center of attention. I was always the one calling shots. I was the last man standing at the bar. I was usually climbing up the, um, um, you know, scaffolding afterwards or swimming naked in the uh, uh, river. You know, that that was just how I always behaved, even though I was trying to be sensible and set up these businesses there was always this this wild side this side that needed to release good 15 years ago now i um somebody i was telling people about my story in, in a pub on the isle of mull and uh, somebody said this is really interesting Ruri. all these failed businesses i know where people go who have failed businesses they go on the tv program the apprentice and i was like i've never seen that um what is it and so i you know finished off my fifth pint and ended up going up and filling out the application form for the tv series the apprentice lo and behold six months later months of interviews flying down to glasgow london i get accepted for series two of the apprentice in the uk and i'm like way this is so awesome and uh, very excited. And, um, you know, this is, I remember being on the phone to mum, you know, sitting outside the studio, mum, I'm so excited I'm going in. And then the producers would come out and go, look, I'm really sorry. After hours of waiting, we can't explain, but you're not going on the show this time. We'll fly you back to Scotland. Not a chance. You know, I'm not going back with my tail between my legs. I've told everybody on the island that I'm going on The Apprentice. So that was all of four people, including the dog. Um, <laughs> and um, it's a very small island, very small. And then so I um, instead got to Heathrow Airport and I was looking at the departure board and I was like, oh, look, there was a flight to Ibiza. So hopped out to Ibiza, bumped into an oil broker when I was out there. And he got me the job as an oil broker in London. And for me, that's really where two worlds collided. Uh, partying and being successful. Um, the more I partied, the more successful I got. And I was very good at my job. Um, you know, this is out in London. Um, this was, uh, you know, lots of, you know, restaurants, clubs. I remember getting 250 guys into a club at one one time. Um, I think that must be the record uh, for the most most number of people into, into a club. Um, but um, anyway, so lots and lots and lots of partying. And, but it come at a bit of a cost. Um, you know, wind forward 10 odd so years. And, you know, I'm still doing this entertaining. I'm still doing this wine and dining. I've now met my wife. We've had a child. And on the odd Tuesday, I'm coming home at five o'clock in the morning, stinking, right? And, um, and, and hammered. And, you know, whilst for many people, I would have been a lightweight, you know, some people in my industry, I was a lightweight. Um, and um, I, I was still drinking a lot by health standards. And yet it wasn't really on my radar. Like it wasn't, I wasn't, nobody had told me I had a problem with alcohol. Mm. Um, nobody was saying to me, you need to go and sort yourself out or you're going to end up in rock bottom or, and I wasn't waking up in the morning and putting whiskey on my cornflakes. So I thought this is fine. This is just normal. I'm cool. But there were all these like cracks in my life and I didn't piece them all together until one day I got introduced to this thing called Headspace. And I started meditating on the train before and after work. And the seed started to grow in my head. I think alcohol is causing me more trouble than I realize. Yeah. So I decided to take a break from booze. And this was like, you know, the silence walking into the saloon bar, like everyone turning around like, what? You're <laughs> not drinking, right? <laughs> Certainly in the industry and everything else. Anyway, 
I did six months alcohol free. I uh, sorry, I ended up doing two years. But in the first ninety days, I was absolutely blown away. I got fitter, I got faster, I got healthier. I was happier. I was a better dad, better husband. I grew my business. I reduced our costs. I lost a ton of weight. A decade of you know seeing doctors about IBS disappeared, psoriasis dried up. You know, all of these things start niggling health issues started to disappear. Wow. And it was like, this is unbelievable. And, and, and so I sat there and said, everything that I thought about taking a break from alcohol was wrong. Because what I thought taking a break from alcohol was, you're going to be a loser. Nobody's going to like you. You're going to be absolutely bored out your mind because there's nothing to do. You're going to be a social hermit. Your mm-hmm. wife's not going to like you. I mean, your business, you're fucked, right? I mean, how could you be an oil broker and still be, you know, impossible? All of it was a lie. It was actually the opposite. Everything got better. So that's where we said, how do we help more people realize this? Because in the beginning, I started to tell people and they were like, oh, you're just an evangelist. You're one of those. Oh, yeah, you're just um, up there crying. You're one of those people. And I was like, no, no, no. And so we had to find a way to get to ex- people to experience it themselves. Let's just make it a challenge, right? Let's dress it up as a challenge that you can say, hey, lads, you know, guys, I'm doing this alcohol-free challenge. Come and do it with me. You know, it's going to be 90 days or, you know, 28 days, whatever you choose. We're going to get it through it together. Let's just do it and see what happens so that people can experience the magic themselves. Mm. That's what we launched back in 2016. I've already told you the, 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 the places we've reached. But I think what's been truly fantastic about what we've built is that almost every single person who signed up has said, I wish I'd done this sooner. And every single one of them has said, I never, I never had any idea of the impact alcohol was having on me till I decided to take the break. And, and when you look at the, the, the pluses and people say, oh, you know, so what are some of the stories, right? Well, you've got people who lose five stone. You've got a, a woman who's been decades on anxiety medication, seen psychiatrists being, you know, doctors. Think of all the pain there. And then 100 days into our challenge, she's like, I'm, I'm not taking my anxiety meds anymore. Well, yeah, that's because alcohol causes anxiety. But where does it say that on the bottle, right? Yeah. And, and, and how many other people are drinking to soothe their anxiety when actually it's creating it? Anyway, uh, lots and lots of other stories. As you can see, Gwen, I'm not going to let you get a word in edgeways because I'm so passionate about this. <laughs> Does that matter? It's not about me, is it? <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, uh, it has been amazing. And I think that's what keeps me fired up the most in life these days is just reading the stories every day of how we've changed people's lives in different and unique ways, just from this simple step of taking a break from alcohol. Yeah, I think you raise a really important point as well, is that I think a lot of people think that unless you're an alcoholic, unless you unless you really, you know, like you said, putting whiskey on your um, cereal cornflakes, you're not necessarily going to rec- recognise that you could benefit from taking a break away from it. Um, That's it. Yeah, and I don't think that's 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 actually been part of the problem. And 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 so let's recognize for a second, this is with the greatest respect to our big brother out there, AA, which has done lots of good into the world of helping people with severe addiction. Um and however, if you do look at peer-reviewed results, they'll say that the 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 somewhere between five and ten percent success rate for AA, right? So the success rate is actually very low. And part of the problem was 
with AA, you had to submit yourself to God. You had to admit that you had this problem, that it was genetic, that it was going to be there for the rest of your life, that you're one of those people that has that problem. And you're going to be stigmatized and labeled, and you are going to be in recovery for the rest of your life, which is kind of how the model was it's evolved a lot in its entirety, but how it was previously. And so there was this black and white, you are either okay, or you are one of those people, right? Which was finally partly created by that stigmatization and all the system. So what we did is just come along and say is, actually, it's not black and white. You know, some of those people who say who are okay, they're drinking three pints, two bottles of wine a day. They're drinking daily and yet they're still going to work. Right. But they're okay. I'm okay. I'm going to work. Or, you know, they're drinking four times a day, uh, four, four, four times a week, you know, so they're drinking really heavily, but they're okay because they're going to work and they're functioning and they're keeping a job down. And for many people, as we've seen come through our audience, very successful people who are achieving high things and yet still consuming huge amounts of alcohol, but it's okay because they're not one of those people. Mm. And so it meant that they didn't go and seek help. Because they were like, no, no, I don't need help. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I'm not one of those people. And that is what well, that was part of the problem. So what we had to do is come along and say, let's just eradicate problem. There is no problem here. Let's just say that this is a habit and it's a sliding scale of habit for everybody. And then let's just say that you can change it. It's not genetic. There is no disease, right? Mm just neural pathways in your brain. It's marketing, social conditioning, neural pathways built up over decades and decades of doing the same routines, watching the same things, being triggered by the same things, creating the alcohol equals fun, alcohol equals success, alcohol equals happiness, alcohol equals getting laid, alcohol equals, I go on and on and on and on, right? And that's all the math that's done in our brain that we need to unlearn for us to change. And so when we created this sliding scale, it was like, hang on, you can't switch off anymore because this is not about am I okay or am I one of those people? This is about can you challenge yourself to not drink for 90 days? And if you say, yeah, that's easy, I can do it. I say, do it, right? Mm. Because if all of the advantages of being fitter, faster, healthier, happier, better dad, better partner, better husband, better wife, whatever it is, if all of those are on your fingertips only 90 days away, wouldn't you want to find out even if you were drinking lightly? And if you're drinking heavily, great, come. We've got all the support that you need to come and change your life just by changing your relationship with alcohol. So it's kind of doing away with that old system and nobody could hide anymore. It was just challenging everybody to take a break from booze. Yeah, and I like that it's not, right, come like come with us, you're never drinking alcohol again. It's not yeah. taking that away from people. It's just like, okay, well, come with us, see, you know, see how this could change your life, give it a go. Um, so for you- well, as I, well on that one, sorry, cause I just love talking so much, Gwen. Um, <laughs> is, it can't shut me up. God, I just <laughs> shut up. No, um, it's not. Is, is, is the, um, um, what I absolutely guarantee everybody This is really simple. This is not about me trying to program something into you or trying to persuade something into you. This is something really super duper simple. You think that you love booze or you think that it's your source of happiness and your source of fun. You think it's your source of success. You think it's mummy wine time. You think it helps you unwind. You think it brings you all of these things. It makes you more socially acceptable. It makes Mm. you more confident. It makes you a happier person. 
You think it brings all those things, but I promise you, I swear on everything I have, that if you come and do 90 days, 28 is usually not enough for people to really feel the difference. If you come and do 90 days, you won't feel that way. It's that simple. You just will not feel that way. You will go, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I thought it was making me feel better. I can't believe I thought it was making me feel less anxious when it was robbing me of my confidence. Yeah, and, and that is the thing that that we know. And if and if you are the first person in over ninety thousand people in one hundred and thirty eight countries to prove me wrong and actually say, you know what, Rory, you're full of nonsense. I don't feel any benefit. I much prefer when I was drinking before. Then I don't know. I'll get you, give you an Amazon voucher or something, or uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go and buy yourself some more booze. No, I won't do that. Um, going back to your own experiences with alcohol. During your childhood, I know you said that you struggled with your thoughts and with sort of fitting in. Would you mind telling us a bit more about that time in your life? Totally. Um, so when, when when I when I was uh, born, I sort of shot out like a racing car, and the energy didn't stop there. Um, and uh, my mum said I slept four hours in every twenty-four. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, mum. And uh, you know, I was one of five kids. I was number four or five. I don't know how she did it. So at six years old, my parents were offered an ultimatum, uh, drugs or counselling. And I was very lucky that they chose um, counselling because that started this process of me trying to understand what was going on in this hyperactive brain. Um, And so later in life, I got diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and what was that like growing up? It was just an incessant noise, um, an incessant noise of self-doubt, of self-hatred, um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, just anxiety and all of this stuff. But I always wanted to act out and I wanted to act out for that attention. Um, so I quickly found out, you know, being four or five kids that, you know, if you wanted to get any of attention, you know, you had to do something naughty. Um, and so that came into all sorts of things. I mean, I wrote off my first car when I was still in primary school um, and, uh, you know, nearly set fire to the village and lots and lots and lots of things like that. Have you ever had a moment when you needed an adult to help you figure something out and then realised you were the adult? Fully Grown is a life skills hub created for young people by young people. We offer a range of informative blogs and a free monthly digital magazine with everything you need to know as you go through adulthood. We have a vast catalogue We have a vast catalogue of content ranging from quick tips to in-depth advice. Visit our website today at www.fully-grown.com and find the support you need to help you through adulthood. That's www.fully-grown.com. Um, that I was that, that I was always up to. So um, once I started drinking, then I sort of found this numbing agent. I, I, I had this release at the weekend um, and I could go totally bonkers um, drinking and partying and um, really went down that rabbit hole. But I always, always continued counseling and or coaching. Um, I was counseled, you know, I was in counseling in primary school, secondary school, uh, as in counseling when I was in my 20s. Um, and um, so I always sought this out. I was still trying to understand. Um, and I guess that kept me in the in the world of self-development. 
Um, I remember, you know, some particular low points in, in sort of 13, 14 years old. Um, and uh, I'd really had enough. Um, and I tried to take my own life. Um, I ended up getting my stomach pumped. And on the second time, it was a bit of a miracle I survived. I, I um, stepped off the, the um, stair banisters with a noose around my neck. Um, and at the moment that I was, or shortly after that moment, my parents actually arrived back into the house. Um, and they they were like so desperate to try and get me to see what they saw and they they were like you are gifted um you have something you have something so unique and so amazing about your energy and and this and that that's what they kind of me but the rest of the world didn't see that the rest of the world saw a bad boy and a naughty boy and um poor behavior and 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 so I I almost wanted to live up to those labels. And it also kind of created this split personality inside me um, where one was very, very dark and one was very light. And I think I've always carried that throughout my life. I've always had a very dark darkness um, and a very light lightness. You know, the, the, you, at one moment you could see enormous care. I, I, I'd be the one person in the room that the moment somebody trips over or the moment somebody stumbles, I'm there. I'm always, and, I, and, and I'm naturally trying to look for those people because I want to care and always want to support other people. But also the lows are, you know, very, very low. And, and so um, when, I, when I got into, uh, later into oil broking, I think that that world kind of fed in much more to the darkness into the light. Um, and, uh, you know, alcohol made it okay to be there. And then once I removed that, I knew I couldn't be that anymore. I knew I couldn't be, um, just in the darkness space when actually what was true was a much lighter, um, version of myself, a version of myself that was giving back in a big way that was having an impact in the world in a positive way, not just here to blow things up and, and burn stuff down and tear it down. Um, and you know, without shadow of a doubt, the counseling, the coaching, the self-help, the, the studying of the books, I mean, you name it, I've read it. Um, and, and, and without a doubt that constant self searching, which was about, you know, trying to heal myself first of all, but also in a way I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, uh, about wanting to lead by example. And so I'd always try and uncover myself so that I could help others. Um, and this, if I think about a pinnacle moment in my life, when all of this came together, um, we had the once one year, no beer had started to take off. We ended up getting featured on BBC world news in over 200 countries, uh, a wow. 10 minute feature. And a friend of mine called me up and, uh, from Italy and he said, Ruri, I've just seen him on the news. I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm meeting the Dalai Lama next week. Would you like to meet him? And so a week later, I get to meet the Dalai Lama. I actually got to ask him a question in front of thousands of people in Pisa in Italy. And then um, I, uh, we ended up staying at his hotel. And it, that wow. is when, it's hard to explain, but that's when all of my life made sense. You know, yeah. I, I, I understood what the craziness in my brain. I understood all the failures, all the, all the pain, and everything had led me to this point, I, I knew why I was put on the planet. And so that's actually, you know, two days later, I handed in my notice as an oil broker and, and got fully strapped into one year, no beer. Cause I knew, you know, this is why I was put on the planet. So yeah. it, it, in a way, all of that adversity, the ADHD, all of those things, they're my superpower. 
Mm. Um, they're, they're my source of strength, my source of being able to lead by example, my ability to hear anyone's story, look them in the eye and really feel from where they're feeling from and feel empathetically how they're feeling. So I think you've got to go there to be able to, to know it in others. Yeah. Uh, was, am I right in thinking that self-acceptance was something that you, you struggled with? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, there was no, <laughs> there was no, no um, self, self acceptance. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. um, and, and trying to be so long for, and even though, I mean, I'm sure we all, we all suffer at times of not being enough. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I more re- recently, more than anything, I was listening to Marissa Pierce stuff on, I am enough, uh, started putting up, I am enough everywhere because it's something that I always need to be reminded of. You know, I look yeah. around at how hard I'm working and what I'm trying to achieve. And I say, Ruri, w- w- will it ever be enough? Um, and um, what is it that you're doing it for? And, and then try and regroup to myself to hang on a minute. I've just got, I've got sidetracked down that road again. And it's so, so easy to do that, you know, yeah. to get the two roads messed up. One road is here. Say, look, I have the I have the gift, I have the the ability and I have the platform to help many, many, many people, which is great. So I'm going to do that from a place of family first, uh, looking after myself, my mind and body, looking after my world. Then I'm going to go and make sure I'm fully focused on showing up to help others versus mm. I've got to make sure I help other millions of other people first. And, and, Oh God, I haven't exercised. I haven't worked out. I haven't seen my family in three weeks. Where am I going? You know, yeah. that's Dan, that's the wrong. And it's so hard. You've got to bring yourself back and remember. So, yeah. yeah. And you've got to be well and happy in yourself in all aspects, you know, family, your mental health, physical health, whatever, before you can, like, like this, the cliched saying of you put your mask on before you put yes, <laughs> your child's is. mask on. But it's it, true. It is true. true, but it's also partly true because it's an ever it's it's a it's a constant balancing thing there is no equilibrium there is no destination there is no arriving at euphoria there is no i am perfect there is no person out there who's like yes i've got everything nailed all of them every single guru out there is occasionally losing their shit um and sometimes crying and 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 forgetting their routines and not always doing bloody press-ups i don't care what they say so (laughs) so that is is that is uh, the truth (laughs) and what's your um biggest kind of advice to anybody really struggling to I guess even like themselves you know to with to develop that relationship with themselves yeah I think that um I'm I'm literally regurgitating Marissa Peer here but she is uh, an absolute wonder so by all means listen for Marissa Peer and it's just simply to start saying I am enough I am enough I am enough. You are enough. You're enough. The thing is, we will never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever be enough. We'll never be enough until we decide that we are enough. No external thing, no person outside, no parent caring about you or finally watching you or turning up to the thing that you're doing or texting you to say that they actually love you or any of that shit will ever make you feel enough. None of it will ever make you feel enough. The only thing that will help you really feel enough is the moment that you decide that you are enough. 
Yeah. And and so what is the one thing that you can do to help yourself feel enough? Write it everywhere. Put it on the mirror, put it on your phone. It's on my screensaver on my phone. It's up against literally the wall opposite my computer here. It is everywhere to say, I am enough. I have to keep saying it all the time. We all do to remind ourselves. So, um, yeah, I think coupled along with that piece or that little rant I had there, um, <laughs> but is also, um, you know, the, 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 routines which i'm very very i really struggle with so people talk about you know consistency being the most important thing and breaking all that doing these daily habits and everything else and i know what that feels like right you hear people saying oh yeah every day i get up at 5 a.m and i meditate and i do journaling and i'm like oh fuck off you know i'm like <laughs> i'm tired and i can't bloody med i just you know what i mean and <laughs> So, God, you said it because I feel the same. Oh, God, please leave me alone. <laughs> so I'm not going to be doing that every day. And yes, I would love to once in a while get up at f five. Are you kidding me? I mean, six maybe, but no. <laughs> some people just absolutely love it and they have consistency and they are those types of people. There is nothing consistent about me. The only consistent thing about me is my inconsistency. And so I'm not going to fight with that area of my brain. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm not going to use that as another excuse just to say, oh, fucking hell, you're not enough because you can't even be consistent in your meditating routine. So what I yeah. do is I just download, if you type habit tracker into Google and you get, and you get the, there's a PDF sheet, which is really simple to use. It's up on the wall here. I've also got one upstairs by the bathroom and you just literally have it track at the top left. You write the habits down here. Now, the thing about the habits are, think of it like a self-care smorgasbord, right? Smorgasbord, great Swedish word for like a for like a picnic table. So what you want to do is create your own version of a self-care smorgasbord, right? And if you say to yourself, in order to win the day, I need to tick off four things for my self-care smorgasbord, just four. And I'm going to put up 16 up there, right? So I've got a choice of 16 things to do. Second thing is to choose what those are. Those are your preference, right? So journal, gratitude, um, um, uh, charity, uh, exercise, um, eat some greens, um, go for a walk, walk the dog, uh, cold shower, Mm. Um, we could go on and on and on, right? Ice bath, uh, breathing exercises, meditating. So you're going to get your 16 down. And the second thing you're going to do is use something from Professor BJ Fogg, which I love BJ Fogg stuff because what he's proven is that if you do a habit in the smallest way, you will still retain the habit, right? Mm -hmm. So exercise becomes one press up. Can we all do one press up? right? One press up is easy. Can you do one press up for 30 days? Yes, of course you can do one press up. So that's how you build a habit. You just take it really small and then just keep doing it. So what we're doing is we're putting our self-care smorgasbord up here. And then we're just saying, what is the smallest? So imagine journaling. Mm -hmm. If journaling was one word, would you be able to do it each day? right? It's suddenly it's really easy to do. And next you start looking at your habit tracker and you're like, oh my God, I've got a whole streak here of like 40 X's by the journaling thing, because it was one word. It was so simple. It was so easy. And this is what makes really, really, really big difference in our lives. Mm. When we, it's what, it, what it is, is we sort of get conditioned that we are not worth looking after. We are not enough 
we are not, we're not worthy of looking after, right? And so it's so easy to say, fuck it, I'm not going to exercise today, or I can't be bothered to meditate, or, you know, because in the back of our mind, we're saying, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm just not enough. And so to prove to ourselves that we are enough, we just want to start building some of these habits in a really small way. Yeah. And that's where you come in with make the habit really small exercise one press up so the other really key thing here is to try and link them so for instance my press up routine is linked with brushing teeth i brush my teeth every day right i don't have to think about brushing my teeth but what i've done is put the habit tracker up there that's got press ups with it with brushing teeth so i brush my teeth then i do the press ups right i've done that piece because i've linked those two together so it's much easier to link habits and stuff like that. Anyway, sorry, I, I went down a little bit of a, a, a board. I, I, I think yes. that's super helpful. So, but the, 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 the key thing here is even in really, really, really bad days, even when you are really, you know, you've just literally, I just want to order Domino's pizza and watch back-to-back -back Netflix. Even on those days when the lowest thing that you can do just for yourself, like you're, hey, I am at least worth one word in a journal, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm at least worth one breath. If I pause Netflix right now and I go like this, I just meditated, right? Because yeah. I was completely present with that there. And that is how you start turning a corner towards looking after yourself more, changing it. So the two parts, the words, I am enough, so key, you are enough. And you will mm. only really start believing it when you say it to yourself and, and really keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it. And the second piece is really starting to focus on self-care, which is overused word, but let's just reduce it down to the habit tracker with some simple habits. Yeah. No, I think that's so powerful, everything you've just said, because I know that I felt, I, I try and journal every morning and just some days I'm just like, oh, I just, I just can't be asked today. No, no. But when you break it down like that and it's like, well, just put one word or do, do it, you know, do one small bit of it. Um, I think that's a really powerful way of looking at it. And yeah, something, something new to me. Are you um, journaling at 5 a.m.? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. You said yes, then I was just going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Yeah, exactly. No, I I even check my phone in the morning when I'm not meant to. But... Yeah, no. We've got to be careful with that one. That one's easy to slip into. It's so, it's so, so negative. The old check yeah. in the phone. What do you feel could be changed uh, with regards to society's relationship and attitudes towards alcohol? Great question. Thank you. Um, I think there's loads that we could do. So first of all, we don't believe that alcohol is the devil. Um, we just want to help people become more aware of what alcohol is doing to them. And we, and we can help them do that by them taking a break from alcohol. Um, I, I The reality is, if the same labeling was forced on um, alcohol um, as what has been forced onto the cigarette industry. I think that would be really impactful for people to understand. So for instance, you're eight times more likely to commit suicide if you drink this. Mm. Um, you, you, this will give you cancer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just not there. Um, you know, the vast majority of weight calories are not only that, but alcohol inhibits weight loss. You cannot process weight loss from exercise if you are drinking alcohol.
It's impossible. The liver cannot function with those two things because it has to remove. Obviously, you don't want that label. It would be more than the bottle, would it? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Might want to shorten that one down there, pal. Um, <laughs> but so labeling would be a great one. Um, and um, I have another one which is slightly controversial, but it's a bit more, a bit, a bit more out there. Wouldn't it be amazing if companies were taxed on the level of damage they do to society? Mm. Uh, so for alcohol companies, that would be a lot of tax. It would be an enormous amount. I mean, the cost of the UK economy is, re- is estimated at 52 billion a year, um, you know, in terms of accidents, uh, deaths, um, you know, leading call of, you know, all of these things. Um, so not, you know, loss of earnings, all of that stuff. So um yeah uh, and then but those are sort of like government time so i think the the other part would be um i think that the or you know what we have to realize in the uk and i think no, most people don't realize this because it's always like oh the uk binge culture the uk has been changing its relationship with alcohol since 2004 right so we've reduced alcohol consumption in this country by uh, nearly 20% not including the pandemic when we saw a huge rise in in people in the volume of alcohol people were drinking but we saw less people drinking but they didn't talk about that in the news and um so the uk has been changing its relationship with alcohol which is really exciting most other european countries are not their alcohol consumption is growing the us is growing so that it is it is slower to change we are ahead of the curve which is amazing and i think that it is just piloting along nicely um, at more and more awareness. The rise of alcohol-free drinks, uh, the change in attitudes in the younger generations, all of these things. Paradigm shifts happen very, very, very slowly. Um, and uh, so one year no beer is going to be around for a very long time yet. Good. Glad to hear that. Thank you so much for joining me. And honestly, I've learned so much from this conversation with you, so I can't imagine what listeners are going to benefit from it. Um, And yeah, your energy is just great. You've had me laughing the whole time. Uh, Brightened my, uh, I was going to say Tuesday morning. It's definitely not Tuesday morning. No, it's the the evening now. It's, it's, it's the evening. It's uh, yeah. Um, No, no. Great. Thank you. And if everyone's thinking about changing their relationship with alcohol or, or has got any thoughts in the back of their mind, you know, maybe I think alcohol is causing me more trouble than I realize. We produce a ton of free resources. Check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash one year, no beer, Instagram, one year, no beer. Um, We have blogs. We have a seven day free trial. Um, we've got a new app, uh, lots and lots and lots of awesome, exciting things. Um, and if you do want to come and take the challenge, it will probably change your life, not only yours, but probably the lives of people around you. And that's the most awesome thing. Almost all of our members say a friend has stopped drinking now or a, uh, a relationship, uh, you know, a family member has changed their relationship with alcohol because they have. So, uh, it's a great challenge to come and do. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Inspired Narrative podcast. Don't forget to check out our website for more content on positive news, mental well-being and inspiring stories. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Inspired Narrative and on Twitter by searching The INS Narrative. If you would like to get in touch, please send an email to gwenannjones26 at gmail.com That's G-W-E-N-N-A-N 
jones26 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.